Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Desire to Inspire podcast. I'm the host, Melissa Martin. Now come get inspired. Pursuing something you're passionate about can be so intimidating and overwhelming. The Desire to Inspire podcast is focused on bringing real-life stories to inspire you to believe that you can. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Desire to Inspire for another episode, episode 28. So I wanted to start this episode off. I know I had posted this both on my Facebook and Instagram pages, but I did want to give a little shout out and say thank you to all the people who recognized and voted for the Desire to Inspire podcast in the Connecticut Magazine. So the Connecticut Magazine does a best of Connecticut and has hundreds of different categories that people could vote on every year. And... I am very happy to say that Desire to Inspire has been nominated and chosen as a finalist for the Best of Connecticut 2021 out of the Connecticut magazine. So I'm very, very humbled and pleased by this recognition. I've worked so hard on the podcast thus far, and I've been doing it for a little bit over a year now. July 1st was my one-year anniversary, and we're going to just keep going. If you are interested in going ahead and voting for my podcast to win the best podcaster section, what you can do is go to www.connecticutmag, Connecticut spelled out, magshortened.com, and there's a whole section that ha- that says best of Connecticut 2021. If you click on that, it will just ask you for your first name, last name, email, and then you're able to select the people that you want to vote for for all of the different categories. So if you scroll down to the Connecticut podcaster section, you will see Desire to Inspire and you could vote for me there. In this episode, I interviewed John Moffitt and he is the owner of Moonshots. If you're wondering, what is Moonshots? Well, let me tell you. So Moonshots is actually a juice truck that sits on the Guilford Green in Connecticut, and they sell all cold-pressed organic juices. They also sell cold-pressed almond milks, and they come out with a different juices and almond milks seasonally, and then they have a set menu of their ones that stay all year round. So let me tell you guys, their selection on the menu is incredible. It is so tasty and delicious. And when you think about a juice, usually since it's healthy, you think that it's probably not going to taste that good, but they really kept the taste in mind and they really wanted the flavor to be extraordinary. So they were able to create a healthy yet tasty juice. 
So in this interview, I talk about what it's like owning a juice truck. I know that food trucks are very popular in this day and age, and a lot of people have food trucks as side hustles because it's low overhead and it's really just a smart business plan. So I talk all about that with John, and then we also talk about his background. So he was in the NFL for a few years and um, he shares his experience of being in the NFL and why he decided to leave. He also shares some of the struggles that he had when he had quit the NFL and before he had started Moonshots. So it a very interesting episode. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. We talk about substance abuse, we talk about overcoming failures, and we talk about the successes that he's had with Moonshots thus far. I also wanted to announce that we do currently have a giveaway opened. And if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the day that this episode came out, you still will have some time to enter into this giveaway. So if you are interested, you could win six different juices slash almond milks of your choice from Moonshots if you enter in the giveaway, which is on my Instagram page at Desire to Inspire Podcast. It's super simple. All you have to do is like the picture. Make sure you're following my Instagram account at Desire to Inspire Podcast. Make sure you're following the Moonshots account. And then you just have to tag three friends that you would like to sip on some Moonshots juices with. So entries into this giveaway do close on Thursday at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So if you're interested, definitely make sure to go ahead and enter in the giveaway so you could win these six free delicious juices or almond milks of your choice. And with that being said, let's hop right into the interview. So I'm now recording. Welcome, John. I'm very excited to have John on here. Um, He is the owner of Moonshots, and he's going to talk all about his company and um, how he started it. So welcome, John. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't you start off by just introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your background, where you're from, etc. Cool. Yeah. So my name is John Moffitt. Uh, I'm actually from Guilford, Connecticut, where my business is located. I grew up here. And uh, originally, I was a I was an athlete. That was like my former life. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up playing sports. And it took me to the University of Wisconsin, where I played college football. Uh, from there, it took me to Seattle, where I played for the Seahawks, uh, and then I played for the Broncos, and I finished my career at 29 with the Eagles. And after that, I didn't really know what to do with my life, and uh, I took a couple years to try to figure it out. It was like one of those rough transitional phases, which I think we all have in our lives, but when you're in it, it doesn't feel that way. Um, <laughs> but it was, and then uh, you know that's what inspired me to kind of start Moonshots. Well, not that, um, but during that time, I. I got inspired to start Moonshots, our, our juice company. And we launched that a year ago. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. That's kind of like the short version of my life, but I'm from <laughs> here. I'm a local. And yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been really cool and a lot of fun, a lot different than my past career football, but really the same amount of like rewarding. I think there's a lot of parallels in business and, and sports, which I I've taken from sports to business. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my life in a nutshell. It's weird to talk about your life. You don't really look at it like, like that, but that's kind of like if I had to sum it up, that would be the linear progression of John Moffat's life. Yeah, it's so interesting though. I mean, 
I feel like not many people are your age, like that young, but have already like been in the NFL, have already like kind of seen that level of success already. So it's cool to see, you know, that you did that and now you're, you've started your own business. So it's definitely very interesting, I would say. So I guess let's start with how the NFL was, what your experience was, um, and then we could kind of transition into how you started your business. Awesome. Yeah. The NFL is interesting because it's, it's, I would say it's half all of your dreams come true. And there were moments when I was playing that I would look around and I'd be like, Oh my God, like, you know, you know, you see the the helmets with the logos you watched when you were a kid and the, the TVs there and the fans and, and you're on the field and you're playing and it's a very surreal experience and really amazing. And then the other half is like the brutal reality of the NFL, which is, you know, it's, it's, vicious it's vicious competition it's it's cutthroat and there is no room for you know um like all the the dream crap is stuff is kind of over you know right so so there's that part of it too and then there's the the toll that it takes you know um there's a lot expected of you and um you're sacrificing your body and you're sacrificing you know things that you can't always get back and then on top of it it's different i always thought it was interesting college football was amazing because you're not getting paid and you're kind of like, you know, the hometown hero. Everybody right. loves you. Everybody loves you in college. Like you could do no wrong. And then when you go to the NFL, it's like, you're getting paid, you're representing us, you're a brand and you could do a lot of things wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of felt that difference. Um, so it was a really interesting experience. And I guess a little bit of the love of the game is kind of backseated for more. This is a business. This is your job. This is a profession. And you better take it seriously as such. So very interesting experience, very fast experience. I played for about three and a half, four years. It felt like it was, you know, a month. It, it was so, everything went so fast. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Very fast life. Everything's very fast. A lot coming at you, but a lot of life experience. And, and I'm glad I got it. You know, I, it was an interesting experience. So. And what position did you play again? I was an offensive guard. So the guy next to the center. So the guy who snaps the football, I played right next to him. Got and it. I, the offensive line, which I protect the quarterback so he doesn't get hurt. So that's that's my job. And when I was first talking with you, I found it like very interesting, you know, because a lot of people don't talk about this side of it and kind of how you are sacrificing your body and all of that. So can you kind of talk about what happened to your body while you were in the NFL and how it is like very dangerous and kind of how you've recovered since? Yeah, definitely. So I actually, I cut my career short when I was 27 years old, I retired. Um, because when I was 27 years old, it was 2013 and, um, the CTE thing was coming out and, um, CTE is basically the degenerative brain disease, uh, as a result of concussions. And, and I know it sounds like kind of intuitive that, enough concussions will make you sort of brain damaged, but it wasn't really known back then. And I know it sounds crazy to say, but it wasn't talked about. It wasn't known. It wasn't understood on this level. So when that started coming out, it was like big news. And I was blown away when I heard this stuff. I was like, wait a second, you can get dementia, you can get Alzheimer's, you can, you know, just from not even big concussions from like small hits to the head, you know, Yeah. yeah. So it really, that really shook me. And I think the wear and tear my body had been through up at that point, you know, I tore my pec when I was in college, I'd sprained my ankles so many times I couldn't count. I blew my knee out completely. So tore my MCL meniscus, my PCL. Um, yeah, just, you know, you break your fingers, like it just everything. (laughs) 
And so you're already run down. And then when you hear that your head might be in danger, I really like my brain. I don't think I'm a genius, but I love <laughs> using it. And um, that, that really scared me. So I left when I was 27 and I left pretty abruptly. Uh, it was in the middle of the, um, I was playing with the Broncos. I had actually been traded from the Seahawks. Both teams went to the Super Bowl that year. And I left in the middle of the season. And, and I knew that the Broncos were going to go to the Super Bowl because I had been on the best team in the NFL, which was the Seahawks. And I went to the second best, which was the Broncos. And I was like, these teams are both probably going to play each other, but I didn't care. It just stopped mattering. And a lot of people couldn't understand that because I walked away from about a million dollars. And, um, you know, I couldn't understand how they couldn't understand, you know, that that amount of money is really means nothing. If um, it's your life, use your brain. Yeah, right. It's your life. And um, it was a very difficult decision because like I said, I have a love-hate relationship with football. I did it for so long. I loved it very much. I didn't like being lied to because they had known about the concussion thing for a long time. I didn't like that aspect, but at the same time, the game was like a part of me. So I struggled with it. I even went back actually about a year and a half later. Um, yeah, yeah. For money and for like, just, I didn't know what to do with my life. And so it was an interesting, you know, the collection of injuries and the relationship with football really is a love-hate thing. And that's kind of what I experienced through all the injuries, but then also realizing it's something that you were like, it's a part of you. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my experience. That was like the pinnacle was realizing the danger to your head. And it's interesting the way that you, you almost become like now, if you talk to guys, even now in the NFL, they block it, you know, they're blocking it out of their mind, but like, and I would do that too. Cause when I went back, I was like, my justification was like, well, if I already have brain damage, I already have it, which is crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it really is. You, would, you don't need more brain damage, but I just wasn't thinking clearly. And it really took me a long time to like get over that lifestyle. And I think a lot of guys, it takes their whole life. I, I understand it. So yeah, that's kind of my relationship in terms of injuries and, and where it, it got me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, like I could see how people would question why you would leave because again, like this isn't stuff that's like really, really super talked about all the injuries and all of that. And at such a young age, it sounds like you had already overcome so many injuries as it was, let alone your brain injuries. And that stuff is dangerous. Like I'm sure, I'm sure in that moment you were like, okay, do I want to be able to live the rest of my life? And like normally the way I should, or do I want to have brain damage or or get dementia at a young age, you know, like, and that's stuff that makes you question, all right, is this really worth it in the long run? So that must have been a very difficult decision to come to, but I think it's a smart one, especially knowing the position that you were playing and all of that. Like that's just an injury bound position way more than like a quarterback or something like that. Obviously. I wish I was a quarterback. I wish I was. (laughs) I would do it in a second. Um, Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's so interesting because I had just interviewed Tim Boyle, who was the backup quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and his relationship with football in the NFL is so different because of his position. But like the nature of your position is so different. And I feel like a lot more is put on the line as like as far as your body goes and all of that. So definitely very interesting to hear both sides. Yeah, no, uh, Tim plays the sweet position. Tim throws yeah. the football. And if anybody hits him, guys like me get yelled at. So it's, um, I would do the same thing if I was him. And uh, my, actually one of my best friends in college, my roommate too, he was the quarterback as well. 
And, you know, obviously you got to be a smart guy. You have to be a tough guy. There's no question. A lot of mental um, strain that goes into it. Yeah. Um, but the physical is not near what it is on the, on the offense line. And they know that too. It's not a competition. I need a quarterback. I, I love quarterbacks and quarterbacks need linemen. So it's not like a, you know, one is better than the, well, the quarterbacks are better. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's not like, I don't look at it like one's a positive or one's a negative, but I definitely, you know, you see the career span of an offensive lineman versus the career span of a, a quarterback. I mean, a guy that's Tom Brady's age could never play offensive line that long. You yeah, know, exactly. You know, if you're my age, still playing offensive line, in the NFL, you are old and it's, and it's impressive. So yeah. Yeah. Well, all very interesting stuff. So why don't you kind of talk about some of the lessons or some of the things that you took while you were playing football to like what you've opened up now in your business and everything? Yeah, that's a great question. I really, a lot of the discipline, you know, football is very mili- like militaristic, if that's a word. Um, it's like <laughs> the military. It's very structured, very organized. There's a plan and you execute the plan. And I find running a kitchen and I don't even run the kitchen. It's a family business. My mom runs the kitchen. I do the branding, marketing, sales, and I sell on the truck. So, but it's very similar to like football, that, that same organization. I think business is too. Um, yeah, being, really structured, sure. being organized, being serious, making goals, attaining goals, um, having a laser focus and really like a, a high level of dedication in football. You never had the weekends off, you know, in college, you play on Saturday, come in Sunday, review film in the NFL, you play Sunday, come in Monday, review film. And I love that. Cause I never have the weekends off now. And I'm not really one of those people that like, feel like I'm missing out. I see a lot of people who are like, Oh man, I'm, Oh, what about my weekend or whatever? I really don't care. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy my work and I enjoy what I do. So I think that kind of intensity, which I brought to my company has allowed us to make a really good product that we stand behind. That's been really consistent, um, which is really cool, which I really like. And also the, the tough thing about leaving football was I left abruptly. And I think to a part of it, it was like a, it was just like out of nowhere. I remember I was just like, I got to stop. And I just stopped. And, but, but there was something missing because I needed something that I could like dive into again, like 60 hours a week, 70 hours right. a week. And your own business is exactly that. You always have something to think about or do. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. And I think that's why football players have a hard time in their next life. Because if you're working a nine to five as a football player, it may not be enough for you just because of what you're conditioned and what you're used to. Now, some guys it is, but for me, I'm someone who just like, you know, you if need I'm more not- than that. I need more than that. Idle hands for me. Cause I am, I have a wild side and I'll get myself into trouble. So I like to just stay busy all the time and work hard. And a lot of that work ethic I took from football, which is, has been really cool. Really cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, definitely very interesting. I, I can relate to that too, honestly. Like I work a nine to five now, but like, I felt like something was missing. I've played sports my whole life. So I just like needed something extra to do aside from just working as well. Something that I could like really feel passionate about and all that. So that's kind of why I started this. Um, so I can totally relate in that sense, but obviously that's not, um, for everyone. What did you play for sports? I played field hockey and lacrosse in high school, but like growing up, I played softball, basketball, soccer. I, I did it all. Everything. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's, and there's something about the exercise and the focus, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know whether it brings more blood to your brain and you're just used to just going hard. Um, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So yep. that's probably why you did. You were like, yeah, nine to five is great, but I need more. 
And that's really cool. That's really cool. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, let's talk about Moonshots a little bit more. So for the listeners, Moonshots is a food truck and you guys sell juice. You guys sell almond milks. You guys make coffees with your almond milks. Like all of your products are amazing. I had to go and try it myself. And then I was like, yep, I want him on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. You're Uh, welcome. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I'm a little OCD with the menu. Um, because I like a tight menu and I love how our menu is I'll stand behind every product and it all kind of blends in together the right way. Mm-hmm. I feel like a menu has to be digestible to your mind first. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was a place, there was a place a while back in Guilford where Amarone's used to be. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but they not, not to down them, but they did like frozen yogurt and coffee and hot dogs and like some baked goods. And I was like, and I remember just being like, they don't have an identity. I right. don't know what you do. What do I tell my friends that you make? You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's something that really inspired me that I want to do. So like, I love how, you know, we serve four juices year round and we have two seasonal juices that we do that always change. And then we do almond milks because you can press almond milk. So we use a hydraulic cold press to make our juices. And that's like a really, that's like the apex of juicing. It's going to get the most nutrients and the richest flavor. And we blend things for flavor. I feel like a lot of juice companies are like, well, it's healthy. So just drink it and shut up, you know, yeah. and you're kind of doing like one of these, you know what I mean? Yep. And I didn't want that. I wanted it to be a flavorful experience because it's already healthy. We're not adding anything. It's all fruits and vegetables. So with that, after we press the juices, we press almond milks and we have two, we have a chocolate and a vanilla almond milk. And then seasonally we do one seasonal. And then with that, we started doing cold brew and adding our almond milk to the cold brew to do like this almond milk latte. And then we do avocado toast. Avocado toast is the only thing you can eat on the menu. (laughs) I want everybody, it's a liquid lunch. I want everybody drinking. Um, And that was a lot of debate going into it because, you know, when you first start a business, you're afraid you want to accommodate everybody and everything. And we were, we were a little nervous. We're like, what if it's not enough? And we wanted to do like seven different toasts and 10 different juices and, you know, all this, you know, extra fat to be clear, you know, to be, to be blunt. Right. And we really cut it down to, and and I'm proud of that. I I really, um, uh, I stand behind it and I'm glad that people, um, I think people really like it. And I know when they come to the truck, it's a good experience pretty much no matter what they get, you know? Yeah. And I would say it's definitely way better to have like 10 items on your menu and have them all be like the best than have like 30 and have all of them be like, eh, like, okay. You know, I think it's, it's way better to just have quality over quantity in that sense. And I mean, going off of what you said about having a menu be like digestible. Like I totally agree. You have to have an identity. You have to kind of make sense um, as to what you're selling and all of, you know, the juice, the almond milk, it all makes sense. So definitely agree with your vision for the menu. But so let's talk about how you guys have a food truck, but you also have a kitchen as well, like a, a little storefront. So what kind of made you want to do both versus just the food truck, I guess. Yeah. So it kind of naturally came about, you know, I used to train out in LA for football and then I lived in Seattle and juice was really big out there. And when I was completely lost at sea in my personal life and didn't know what to do with my life, I was kind of like, 
you know, me and my mom had discussed, maybe we should start, you know, like, cause we're food people. We love food. We're not just like healthy. We love all food, um, yeah. but we discussed it. And, you know, juice wasn't really a thing around here. There's no juice places or anything like locally on the shoreline. So we decided we were going to do a truck like just in case, you know what I mean? Almost to test the market. And if it okay. didn't work, yeah. And if it didn't work, you could sell the truck. And, um, if it did great low overhead. Right. So it was kind of like to pad our risk, but because it's such a beautiful area and everything's so aesthetic, uh, around here, we wanted a really aesthetic truck. So that's when we decided to get the Citron. It's a Citron H van. It's a French uh, truck. And, um, we kind of dolled it all up and made it look like it wouldn't be an eyesore on the Guilford green. We wanted to be really nice for the Guilford green. It is so cute. I'm glad it's you like, like it. Yeah. It's like a mint green. And then you've got like the wood accents. Like it's yeah. very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, we put, you know, and my sister is really, her and I work great together. It, that's the coolest thing. It's, it really is a family business. And I love my family so much. They're like, they've always supported me. And even with this, they really like, and it started slowly. It was really organic where it was just like, oh yeah, I'll help with that. Or, you know, this, or I was doing it. And then they just started helping. And my sister and I designed the whole truck and she insisted on mint green. I was going to do like a rustic metallic, like very masculine kind of a look. And I'm so glad I didn't. She was like, it's going to be mint green. And she didn't push. She's not pushy. She just stuck to her guns. And, I, and finally, one day I was like, you know what? It's a juice truck. It should be colorful. Right. Um, yeah. And it worked out. And so anyways, she helped me design a lot of it. And we needed somewhere to store the truck because we weren't going to just leave it outside. So we actually got this flex space in uh, Madison, uh, Milano storage, it's, but it was like flex. You could kind of turn it into anything. So we actually, it was enough room where we could store the truck. And then we also refinished it into a kitchen because we started realizing, yeah, we started realizing, you know, we were making juice out of my kitchen and my kitchen is probably like 200 square feet. (laughs) And we started realizing we're like, this is not, uh, we never did it once. We never served juice off the truck out of my kitchen, but we were doing cleanses before we launched the truck. And we started realizing like, this is not going to work. So we got that flex space, refinished it, made it a kitchen. And naturally the kitchen became a pickup location too. Um, You know, if the truck was not out or something like that. So it kind of worked with both. It's a great model because it's low overhead right now, but I'm really glad. I think we tested the market and we've gotten a great response and, and um, I'm looking for a location. I'm I'm ready to do a location. So wow, that's exciting. Oh, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. So it's been good. It's been good. Okay. So let's talk about the truck a little bit more because this isn't your normal, like ice cream truck. Like this is very (laughs) cute. Like this is a truck that I would want to make a business out of and coming from France. Like, how did you find it? How did you get it here? Yeah. How did you go about that whole process? So I, um, I found a guy in France. His name was Mark Searle. And um, he actually has this website called Le Tube Station. And it has all these Citrons. His family was into it for like his grandfather sold them. And uh, they'd done it for years. And I started working with him. Like we just, I called him up and I started talking to him and told him what we were doing. And uh, I worked with him for like four or five months on just finding one. Because this was when Brexit was going on. And it was really hard to get things through borders at that time. Okay. So we actually found a couple. And he was like, I can't get it through. So we had to move on. And finally he found one that he was going to ship over. And the scariest part was like sending him the check because yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you just have to. And I said to him, I was like, Mark, like, am I going to get this truck? And he's like, yes. He's like, but you know, there's going to be a little bit of a, 
some trust here. And I was like, Oh, I'm aware <laughs> trust here. And, um, so I sent him the money and then, you know, six weeks later, the truck came on a barge and, uh, in the, in New York port. And, um, that was that. And, and we got it. It took, it took us about, about six months to find it. And then it took us about a year to get it all fitted out. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, a. I, I just wouldn't have anything else. I, I just didn't. It, it's so, it's so tiny. It fits into one space with like, it honestly takes up half a space. Wow. And it's like, it's just, it was perfect. And I just wouldn't do anything else. And as far as branding and marketing, I mean, you know, everyone asks about it. I get so much attention from it. And so many people coming to the truck just because of they want to see what the truck is. Yeah. It worked out really well because juice was kind of a new thing. So I get them to the truck, I give them a sample, they start tasting it, they start liking it, and then it's all done. And a lot of older gentlemen all the time older guys, forties, fifties, sixties, like looking at it, taking pictures, (laughs) like they're so curious about it. Um, so yeah, it worked out really great. And I love that truck. I've had offers on that truck. Um, I'll never sell that thing. I'll never sell it. I just, yeah. I mean, I think it's a true staple, like to your business. Um, I think that it wouldn't be what it is now without it. So that is very cool. And just to clarify, so a lot of food trucks and like businesses that are run out of a truck, they make everything on the truck. But since you have this kitchen space now, you do everything from the kitchen and then everything is already bottled in the juice containers and you just sell it like that. So it makes it way easier, like uh, from a business model standpoint as well. Yeah, it's super clean too. And that was the thing I didn't, the gourmet food truck scene, it really did start, you know, five, six, seven years ago about um, actually I was just watching chef on Netflix. There's a, sh- the movie chef, but the show chef, uh, involves that guy who started Koji. I forget his name. Um, but he did like a Korean taco truck and he was like one of the founders of like the gourmet food truck movement. Cause before food trucks were seen as like really kind of dirty, you know, yeah. at, at job sites and stuff like that. And then he started it and it started becoming like a little bit more of a, um, I, I don't want to say like a bougie thing, but just like, you know, a little more upscale. Right. And so that was kind of my inspiration is just clean and you know, our machines are really big. A hydraulic cold press is, is, is huge. I, I couldn't even fit it. Not huge, but I mean, they can be huge, but ours is, is big. I mean, it's at least 250 pounds. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, I really couldn't even fit it on the truck and make a juice for somebody. So it all has to be pre-bottled, but I just love it. It's very clean. You know, it's a very clean process. The truck's clean. Everything's clean. Cause liquids you want it. You don't want anything dirty. So yeah. Um, yeah, it worked, it worked out great. I'm really thankful. And, and I'm thankful my family just was was huge. And um, it's brought us closer together. It's really cool to work with your family. They already have a business. They do um they're contractors, they do painting and carpentry, um, which which helped us building out the truck. Um, but then Definitely, they definitely I would say. Yeah, they help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, but we do this too, and I help with their business, and um, it's really cool. I I at the beginning, it's tough with family because you're not used to working with each other. But now we all kind of stay in our lane and we all have our jobs and we just do our best. We try our best and it's great. So, And do you think having your business be like a family-owned business, do you think that really plays to the success that you've seen so far? Like, Do you think it would be very different if you didn't have family working with you every day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think you... Oh, there's, I don't have to question whether or not, well, the great, so we have two employees that aren't family and they're fantastic. I couldn't ask for better employees. They're so committed to, they really love what we're about and they buy into it, which is great. I consider them like family. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but having your own family, like you never question like loyalties or if they're, they love it. We're all in it. We all right. love it. We all believe in it. And, um, we're all workaholics in a good way. We all like, we'll talk at eight o'clock at night about this stuff. And it just, I think it gives you, as you get older, you know, things, um, you kind of run out of stuff. So this always gives us something to talk about, something to connect on. There's yeah. always, something, there's always something to do. It's brought us a lot closer. and. Um, I'm really thankful for that too. I'd say the strength of our business is that it's a family business and um, we all really care a lot. And I think customers feel that, you know, we'll do anything for our customers. Yeah. I mean, being a customer, like walking into different businesses and now that I've, I have this podcast, so I get to kind of learn about other businesses. Um, you definitely can tell when one is family owned versus not. And obviously every family isn't meant to own a business together, but if you have a family, you know, like it's worked out for you guys, like it, it works for you. And I think it's, it's good that it connects you all and you guys are all kind of on the same page with everything and you have kind of taken on your own little roles. I think that definitely helps too, because I feel like a lot of the time people get scared to like start a family owned business because they don't want to step on anyone's toes. They think they're going to just argue all the time, being together all the time, but it's definitely great that you found like that healthy balance. And I think you like, you definitely see a much bigger sense of community and everything like that when when you're encountering a family-owned business. I worked for a family-owned business, um, Whitney Donut, and it was cool because Whitney Donut's in Hamden, Connecticut. It's just like a donut shop, but it was definitely very cool, you know, having the owners be related to each other and then they pass it down to their kids and everything. So I think that like when you have a family run business, the values really stay true to themselves because um, you don't have like a lot of turnover and people constantly like, you know, working and. Um, sorry, I live, like right, I live right by the fire station. I'm sorry. It's like You're really good. Bad. You're good. I'm so sorry. Um, continue. Sorry about that. I just had to stop it. So you didn't have to talk over the siren. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying like, it's definitely good when you have a family owned business because those people are there to stay. Like those are your family members. They're not just going to quit on you. So that's definitely, you know, you could definitely feel the difference. I agree. And when things are good, they're really good. And even when things are bad, they're going to get, you like, no, they're going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, cause at the beginning things were a little rocky and it actually made me kind of clean up my personal life even more. You know, there were times where my family was like, you know, this is like, you need to do this better or this. And I honestly listen and it's actually made me a better, um, like a better man. And I, and I feel like I'm now I'm like on it because it's more than just my business. It's my family too. And I mm-hmm. really care. And I know when I'm clear and I'm good and I'm focused, it's really, it, we're, we're going to do great. And it's been like that. And it's really fun. It's fun to share the success and it's, it's good to share some of the hardships, which were a lot more at the beginning, getting used to each other. So I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So I know that your mom plays a huge role in the whole business. I think she's the one who like comes up with all of the recipes and actually mm-hmm. makes the juices, correct? Yes. Yeah. So she, she's <laughs> also the one who likes, I'm like a, like a bull in a China shop. Like I'm just like pedal to the metal, go, 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 go. 
um, which I think is a trait of I'm relatively young, but I've always been like that. And I think she's a little more cautious too. Mm -hmm. So that business balance, I think is really great because she has a lot of experience in business. So there's a lot of things where she's kept me out of that I probably would have gotten into that would have been a sticky mess. Um, but yeah, to your answer, to, to say what you're saying, yeah, she makes all that she's in the kitchen. She runs the kitchen completely. I don't go into the kitchen. It's not my business. Um, so like a lot of the recipes and things like that are all hers. She invented them. And do you know um, what kind of like inspired her to create certain recipes or what inspired her to try out the almond milks or anything like that? Um, you know, my mom's the kind of person that can like make anything taste good. Like she's always been a wonderful cook, like everything. And she loves like, so the good, good balance between us is like where she's pressing the brakes on certain things with the business and growth. I'm kind of pressing the brakes on certain things with expansion of the menu. Okay. So we've worked, we've worked together with that. Like, cause she would, she would do 50 juices and they would all taste amazing. You know what I mean? Wow. But when you have a small kitchen, you want to keep it tight. So that's been our back and forth. Cause I'm selling it and I'm marketing it. So I've given her feedback on how I want things. And then she, like, I could literally tell her, I'm like, Hey, what if we like made like this kind of juice and she could make it, you know what I mean? And she wow. could come up with the mixture. Yeah. Um, because everything's just fruit and vegetables. So if it tastes good, it has to have this balance of these vegetables with this fruit. Right. To make it really, and she's, a, she does all of that. The almond milk she completely came up with, which I've never had almond milk. I basically told her what I thought would be cool. I'd be like, Hey, wouldn't it be great if it was really rich and creamy? Like, cause the way I see moonshots is like a, I want, oh, I'm sorry. I'm shaking the computer. I want moonshots to go like, to be more mainstream. I want it to taste good. I want it to feel like how 1950s McDonald's felt. You know what I mean? So yeah. like the almond milk, I want like a milkshake and the juices to be like this really delicious, you know, almost you think it's like store-bought. Um, and she like just heard that and just did it. Like the almond milk, she just made it. And it was, I thought it was really incredible the way she can just, you know, your wish is my command kind of deal. So. Yeah, the almond milk is delicious. And I could speak for myself here. Like it was the best almond milk that I've ever had. I've never had it like so creamy and flavorful. So I'm so glad you enjoy it. Yeah, she's just she can do that. She's always been able to do that since I was a kid. And I'm like a snotty picky eater, probably because <laughs> she's so good at cooking. But then also she would do stuff that was just, you know, she she literally can make anything. Um, She's always been like that. And, um, I don't even think she, she's one of those people who doesn't even realize how talented she is with stuff because you could say it and she'll figure out how to do it. And she loves figuring it out. Um, so yeah, that's, that's her realm. And, and I just, um, the only time I dip in is packaging it. Like, I'm always like, how am I going to sell this? How's this, gonna be, how's this going to be packaged? How does this make sense? Because she's come up with all kinds of stuff, amazing stuff. So yeah, it's it's honestly incredible. Everything that I've tried from your chalk is delicious. So kudos to her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to ask. So obviously you've had a very interesting journey. You were in the NFL and now you're a business owner and kind of, you know, the NFL is so masculine. And I don't want to say that like juices yeah. and almond milks aren't, but it, it's just kind of a funny mix. So yeah. What are you most proud of, like of your journey so far? Yeah, it's so no, but you're absolutely right. And I think what expresses that too is the truck color where I was trying to do this masculine truck. <laughs> and I've noticed that more with myself, like, and I've reminded myself with this business where I'm like, you know, my demographic is like women from your age to like 60. 
Yeah. And I, I, my male demographic, I mean, I told two guys at the truck, funny, they were at a wedding and they came over to check out the truck. And one gentleman was probably 65 and the other one was 45. And, and they were like nine seventy five for a juice. Like, and I was like, look, man, I go, you're not really my demographic. Okay. Like, <laughs> and he was like, I, I'm not. And, um, you know, cause it's true. It's, it's, you know, I have a small male demographic and they come and they get the green juice and that's it. Um, but it's mostly women. So I have to remind myself that it's like, this is a feminine kind of a thing and, and being more in touch with that and the softer side of thing and making it like a really nice experience. I think it's a cool balance in my life. Yeah, for like sure. Yeah. And I think it's a balance that like, I don't want, you know, maybe like what you make and what comes out of you is something that you need, you know, in, in your life. Yeah, so maybe yeah. this was something that, you know, I needed um, like a softer, a softness a little, cause football is so, you know, you're just ramming into people. It's just hard. It's yeah, just it's hard. hard. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that's a great point. And I'd say I'm most proud of, um, you know, I really did fall down. I really did have a hard time after football. I've, I had a lot of success, but I failed at a lot of things too. And I think I even failed the way that, you know, after football and, and with certain opportunities I had, and then just in my personal life with issues that I had, you know, I've had substance abuse issues, things that I've overcome that I never wanted to make the like focal point of my life. You know, yeah. I, I wanted to overcome and move on. I, I all due respect to anybody else, but I never, just like, I never wanted to be the guy that could never stop talking about the glory days of football. I never wanted to be the guy that could not stop talking about how he was an addict. You know what I mean? I, I want to just put him behind me and move on. And I'm really proud of myself that I've done that. And I'm proud of myself that I kind of started again. And I think that's something that anybody can connect to because we all go through in our life. And also anybody, if they have done it, they should be proud of it because it's not easy, but I think it's what life is about. You know, you're not yeah. always going to be on the top. You're not always going to be the winner. Sometimes you're going to take the L and it's when you take the L and you, you get back up. And, um, it was a hard thing to get back up because my pride was hurt and a lot of other things, but I did. And I'm really happy I did. And I'm really thankful. Um, I think it's added a lot more to my life in terms of like just thankfulness and, and being a little more grounded and and worldly again, um, and connected to the community, which was hard to be before. Cause you kind of go so far, you don't feel, you feel a little alienated. Right. Um, So yeah, I'm proud of the, the comeback really. And, um, it's not like over, I'm, I'm sure there'll be other failures in life and other successes. Um, but it gave me a realization of what the ebb and flow of life is, you know, and definitely. So, yeah. So inspiring. I think it's always like so inspirational when you hear about a failure and then how that person overcame it. Like mm-hmm. failures are honestly very important in life. And if you don't fail, then are you really growing? So yeah. it's definitely good that, you know, obviously it's not good that you failed, but, um, I think it definitely taught you a lot. And the fact that you were able to, you know, get right back up and start this business and you're giving back to the community now, and you're putting something out to the world that is healthy and can benefit people. I think that's a huge win. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I failed. I know that sounds crazy, but I needed to, I don't think I, I don't think I would have liked, it was deeper than just like, monetary success or whatever else. I I don't think I was liking the person I was becoming. And if that was continuously reassured with success, I don't know if I would like who I am today. You know what I mean? I'm really thankful that I did so because it made me who I am today. And and I'm kind of liking that person. So it's good. 
Awesome. Well, I just have a couple more questions. So one, where do you see Moonshots in a year? I know that you said you're like dying to open up an actual location. So let's hear about that a little. Yeah, dying to do a location. My big dream, and, and I don't know, you know, it's, it's um, like I said, I'm super ambitious just because I just like to, and Moonshots kind of means that, you know what I mean? Like Moonshots is um, the definition of it is like a huge ambitious undertaking, you know, no matter what the the cost or what other people think. Um, and I always looked at moonshots, like with my mother, my mother came up with the name and I always liked it because I, I thought for my first career, she always gave, she always wanted to make the best stuff for me, the best food. So I would be the strongest. So I perform the best. And I look at moonshots like that. Like we want to give you the best food and the best product so that you perform the best in your life and you can totally. like reach the stars kind of deal, you know? Um, I love so that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of fit. I don't know how to explain it to people. People ask on the truck and I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know what it means. I know what it means, but I just don't, I don't have like an hour to tell somebody. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> here's my background and here's why. So I always, I'm always just like, yeah, whatever it means to you, you know? But, uh, my big dream is like, a like a drive-thru, honestly, you know, I, I'd like to do like the first vegan drive-thru. I think vegan, um, is really trending right now. You know, yeah. you see Burger, you see Burger King trying to do a vegan Whopper. You see Dunkin' Donuts trying to do vegan breakfast sandwiches. You know, you see these people saying meat is, you know, is dead. I don't agree. I'm a, I'm a total omnivore. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a market for fast food vegan, and I don't think there's anyone better that could do vegan faster than us. The way our product is made. So my big dream is is a is a drive through, um, and I would love to take our almond milks to market as well you know, maybe high pressure process them. So that a lot of the nutrients are retained and try to get them on the shelf somewhere. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Those are, those are my big dreams. Um, in a year, definitely a location whether, and, and I'm not stuck to anything, um, but a place where people know we're at consistently and they can really make it a part of their, their day or their week would be a great thing for me in a year. Right. Yeah. And I know that you mentioned before, um, I, I wanted to bring this up. I know that you mentioned that those two men had come over like while they were at a wedding or whatever, they came to the truck and they were like nine seventy five for a juice. What the heck? So I want to comment on that because I kind of thought the same when I first came, but then I thought about it and I was like, okay, so many people are spending $10, $12, $15 on one single alcoholic beverage. And that is literally just poison. <laughs> like, why are people not more willing to pay more for something that's actually good for you? You know, and this is like completely cold pressed. So good for you. Like nothing is added additionally. Um, so I just wanted to make note of that because I feel like that is a lot of people's mindsets about it. But like, we need to do better and change because you're selling a really awesome product that is like actually good for you. And people will just buy drinks at the bar, like without even a question and spend $10 and then buy like five. So yeah, no, it's true. To note that. You know what? And these go with your drinks at the bar. Um, but you know what too, uh, <laughs> we're actually really competitive in price in the juice world. That is a really competitive price. And I fought really hard to keep our juice prices down. I actually raised up our almond milk prices. Um, I've raised up other things on the menu, but I've never raised the juice price. It's been the same since day one. And if you go to the Guilford health food store up on the hill in Guilford, um, they're selling a $10.50 juice. And um, a lot of places are around 
anywhere between eight and 10. Yeah. Actually, that's what I've is, seen is really competitive um, for a price. And you know, you're right. It's, it's, but a lot of our juicers are totally no problem. They value the product and they buy six packs. A lot of people you hear this. I live in Guilford. I don't live in the city. This is what it's like, though. Um, All good. So, so I appreciate that. And, and I think it's something, like I said, it, it really is. Maybe it's just the way that men and women are the difference. And, and that's the cool thing. I get to meet all of our customers and, and I get a fair amount. I get an okay amount of guys, but I'm really a lot of women and women really see it. I think women tend to value health a little more in life and a little sooner in life. Yes. You know, um, I don't know why they just do, you know what I mean? Maybe because, you know, they're connected to the earth more. You know what I mean? If, if you thought of it like that, I don't know. Um, but that, that, that is the demographic and, and that's fine. You know that I'm totally fine with it. So women are the buyers, so it's all good with me. So, but going back to the whole, like, you know, opening up a location and your dream of having a drive-through, I think that's genius. Like there's so much drive-through potential. Like, I don't know. I think Burger King and Duncan and McDonald's for having those vegan Whoppers, like that's, that doesn't make sense at all. You know, they're trying to be healthy, but clearly obviously nothing from those places is healthy. So if you can open up like a vegan drive-through, that would be amazing. I think that would be a really big hit. Yeah. I, I really, um, you know, food, the food industry is tough because the margins are tight. It is why I have to charge a $975 juice. You know, when you consider the fact of the produce and then the packaging, you know, we're packaging in glass, mm -hmm. um, and everything else that goes into it out the door. It's like, yeah, my number for my margins to be good for me to make money, it's got to hit 975 and then we're all happy. Um, the way that you can fight that is volume to me. You know, once you get into the volume game, now I can start saying, no, let's drop it to an 875. Let's get it to an $8. To me, the only way you're doing true volume, especially in this town is with a drive-through, you know, and, and that's the thing I've really learned about the food business is you must do volume. And it's hard to do volume when you don't have a way to just get the volume through the door. Right. Um, so I'd love it to be, that's why I, I take a lot of pride in our coffee. Cause I'd really love it to be something where people start the morning with us. Mm -hmm. People that two o'clock slump, they're coming to us. Um, you know, there's basically three waves and drive through, um, every day. And, and I'd like to be a part of that and kind of knock out some of the franchises around here. So that, that's my big dream and, and we'll see how it goes, you know? So. But I love that. I feel like dreaming big like that has a lot to say of how you how you made it to the NFL. You know, um, not everyone does dream big, but I think if people aren't laughing at your dreams, then they're not big enough. No, it's and that's a good sign when they do. Yeah, because people used to do that. I, I used to get bitter. I was really when I made it to the NFL. It's funny. You know, um, when I made it to the NFL, it was almost like kind of like a. Um, oh, I showed you kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not an attitude I'm proud of, but I felt like I was, there were so many people that doubted and like the haters, you know, everybody likes, yep. about that. but it's good to, when people are laughing at your stuff, that's a good sign. You know what I mean? You should keep going. And, and um, now I just look at it like, like, I'm like, okay, I'm on to something because you don't want to miss something. I always try to think of what I'm not thinking of. You know what I mean? What are you yeah. missing? And, um, you know, it'll work out. It'll work out when you do that, when you strive. So agreed. Totally agreed. 
Well, I have one last question for you. And I asked this to um, basically everyone who comes on. So I wanted to know if you can give one piece of advice to someone who wanted to start their own mobile business, what would that be? I would say just be really dedicated and be patient and just day in and day out, just give it your best and don't, don't quit or give up. You know, um, if you really believe in it, then it'll work out. And I've had things change. There's like bigger forces at work. Sometimes I feel like where initially you're going for something and you, the innovation kicks in and you see something and you change it and you make it better and you just keep adjusting it. It's, it's a moving process. So I would say go for it and don't quit. We actually had a guy come to the truck like a year ago. That's like how I am with everything. I just tell them, like, just go for it. Who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? um, what do you have to lose? And I, and I, I had a guy come, right. And I had a guy come to the truck last year when we first started and he wanted to do a taco truck, like fish tacos. And I was just like, I was in the zone. I think I was just serving a bunch of juice and I was just like, yeah, just do it. I'm like, go for it. Just do it. Do it. <laughs> And he did. And, and his truck's on the green right now. Um, it's Tacos Flores. And um, I was really proud of him. I thought that was really cool. So yeah, I would say just, just go for it and don't quit. Like there's no losing. There's just, you know, there's just learning, you know? So yeah, uh, that, that exactly. would be my advice. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love that. Definitely great advice. I think that it's, it's always good just to try it out. Cause even like, if you don't, you're just going to regret it. So if you have an idea and you want to try something, there's no harm in trying. And if you fail, then you learn. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I'm glad we were able to connect. I'm glad I was able to learn a little bit more about moonshots. And for those listening, I hope you go check it out on the Guilford Green. Thank you, Melissa. I really enjoyed the interview as well. Thanks for having me. No problem. And that's a wrap. Episode number 28 in the books. Bam, bam, motherfucking bam. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. I had such a great conversation with John. He's so easy to talk to. And I think he provided a lot of experiences that he's had throughout his life that are very relatable. So I think a lot of people will really be able to relate to this and they'll also be able to gain some insight on what it's like being in the drink slash food truck industry. If you'd like to check out Moonshot's Instagram page, definitely head over to at Drink Moonshots and you will be able to see all of the cool things that they post. And most importantly, you will be able to stay up to date on the different seasonal flavors of juices and almond milks they come out with. Currently, they have a coconut cream almond milk available as well as a matcha almond milk. So these are the two different flavors of almond milk that they have come out with for the summertime. And then they also have three different juices that they came out with as well. Those being the watermelon cooler, the spicy pineapple, and the blueberry basil lemonade. Again, these are all items that are a part of the summer seasonal menu, but they also do have all of their regular menu items as well. You can also check out their website to see all of their different juices that they offer and just see the whole menu. So that website is www.drinkmoonshots.com. And in there, you could also see the prices and you could also find out a little bit about a juice cleanse if you were to be interested in that. So definitely go ahead, check out their Instagram and check out their website. 
As for next episode, ooh, episode number 29. What is this episode going to be? Well, this episode is going to be a solo episode, and I'm going to be talking about the importance of being a good listener and where that can take you in life. So I know that everyone likes to hear themselves talk, including me, obviously, because I have a freaking podcast. But surprisingly enough, I have actually always been the type to just sit back and listen versus like having to talk and contribute in every single conversation. So I'm going to talk about the benefits of being a good listener and really all of the things that you can learn from being a good listener. This episode is essentially telling you to shut the fuck up and stop talking because nobody wants to hear you. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, being a good listener, it's a good skill to have. So that's what I will be talking about next week on Let's Get the Date. Next week, getting the calendar pulled up next Wednesday on July 21st. So definitely tune in for that episode, episode 29. In the meantime... I hope you get the desire to inspire. Thank you for listening to the Desire to Inspire podcast. If you want the inside scoop of what's next to come, follow us on Instagram at Desire to Inspire podcast. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday to catch the latest episodes. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show, and I hope you get the desire to inspire.